Welcome to the Epidemic Belfast podcast. I'm Eugenie Scott, a researcher in this project and a PhD candidate at Ulster University. Epidemic Belfast is a public history and medical humanities initiative from Ulster University. It aims to map changing experience of infection and disease for individuals and communities in a unique urban environment, Belfast from the 19th century to the present day. On today's podcast, I'm interviewing Rebecca Watterson, who's also a PhD candidate at Ulster University. We're going to be talking a bit about the health of mill workers in 19th and 20th century Belfast. So welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us today to talk about this really interesting topic. Thank you for having me. Great. So we'll just dive in. Um, Could I start by asking you, how did the rapid expansion of the linen industry impact health? When we consider mills and factories in Belfast in the 19th century and into the 20th century, our minds may naturally be drawn towards linen, given that Belfast was known as Linenopolis. It was linen that saw the rapid population growth of Belfast from 25,000 in 1808 to 70,000 by 1841 and then by 1911, 385,000. By the beginning of the 20th century, Belfast was the linen capital of the world and the largest city in Ireland. Producing linen up to the early 19th century across Ireland was carried out in a rural domestic setting. And in fact, it was the influence of the cotton industry that led to the industrialization of linen production. In the early 19th century, developments in technology saw cotton being produced significantly cheaper than linen, and Belfast was a leading exporter of cotton. In 1800, 27,000 people were employed in cotton manufacture in Belfast, and by 1811, that had increased to 50,000 people. It has been estimated that there were at least 21 cotton mills in Belfast in 1826, and the conditions we see in the cotton mills are somewhat of a precursor to the conditions and impacts on health we see later in the linen mills, which we'll discuss shortly. And these technical developments in the cotton industry led to a desire to achieve similar mechanisation of linen manufacture. In 1825, James Kay of Preston developed the wet spinning method, which saw flax pass through warm water, creating a finer yarn for spinning. In turn, by 1850, a third of all the flax spinning mills were located in Belfast, and these were responsible for the production of over half of all the linen in Ireland. Cotton production saw a global decline through the 1860s as cotton supplies were impacted by the American Civil War. And so mills in Belfast began to shift to linen production with only one cotton mill left in Belfast by 1875. As linen continued to develop as an industry, the landscape of Belfast shifted. Mills, factories and linen warehouses were established with the majority of linen manufacturing occurring in the west of the city with small finishing factories located in the city centre. Housing and indeed overcrowding became significant factors impacting the health of mill workers and their families. Housing conditions and the size of the rooms of mill workers' homes are discussed in several late 19th century medical reports, such as in 1873 by C.D. Pardon, certifying surgeon for Belfast, in the mortality of flax mill and factory workers, as compared with other classes of the community and the diseases they labour under and the causes that render the death from thesis so high, he describes housing as deeply affecting the health of those working in the mills who were not getting sufficient rest due to overcrowding. And this overcrowding is also likely to have impacted on the spread of disease amongst those working in the mills and their families. That's great. Um, That was really interesting. Could you describe the illnesses that were prevalent among the mill workers in Belfast? Different parts of the process of linen manufacture saw different associated illnesses. 
The working in the preparing room where flax was prepared was described by one mill manager in 1875 as being sure death. The process of preparing the flax and also hackling, which is the process of splitting the flax fibres, created an incredible amount of flax dust. These rooms were badly ventilated, and so there was a constant inhalation of this dust as a mill worker, which dried out your throat, caused a cough, and ultimately led to chest illnesses such as bisonosis. The spinning rooms where the flax was spun together to create yarn were wet and hot to prevent the flax from breaking. But these working conditions deeply impacted the people who worked in them. Often spinners worked in their bare feet in attempts to stay cool, but the floor was always wet. And so we see spinners suffering from what they describe as toe rot or foot rot. John Moore, a doctor in 1867, described onitia, where the nail bed becomes infected and ultimately the nail is lost, and also deformity of the foot as being prevalent amongst the people working in the spinning departments. They also worked with hot water, which caused a skin condition on the face and arms, really on any skin uncovered that was touched by flax water. This was called lichen. And in the hot and humid conditions, it might be unsurprising that spinners often fainted, and this was sometimes attributed to anemia. Weaving, which is where the linen cloth is produced using looms, also came with its own set of possible and likely illnesses. Again, this was a warm, damp and badly ventilated room, and we see weavers suffering from chest afflictions such as bronchitis. Injuries at work were also very common, and this can be seen in newspaper reports, such as in the Belfast newsletter on the 11th of December, 1858, and the story of William Brown. Yesterday, a young lad named William Brown, aged 14 years, was brought to the General Hospital, suffering from a severe laceration of the right arm while at work in Messrs. Stewart and McClellan's Mill at Ligonale. The injury inflicted was so severe a nature that it was found necessary to amputate the arm at the elbow. Were the health experiences of the mill workers in Belfast shaped at all by their gender or age? Gender, yes. A large number, in fact, a greater number of women than men were employed in the linen mills in Belfast. Uh, Women often pregnant worked right up to the day of their confinement or their due date and often returned to work very quickly because they were necessary for their family's survival. So certainly gender shaped the impact of mill workers' health experiences. The infant mortality rate was high and there are descriptions of children being described as small or underdeveloped. The 1867 Factory Act allowed children from eight years old to be employed in the mills for six hours per day, as well as requiring them to attend three hours of school. Every alternate fortnight, they had to begin work at 6 a.m. and they often had a long travel to the mill, usually on foot. This did change in 1874 uh, when children were only allowed to enter the mill at age 10 but we do see families struggling financially with poverty and so there was often lies told around the children's ages to allow them to start work earlier in the mill. The children were often uh, employed as doffers and what this meant is that they worked in rooms which were filled with flax dust and so they were inhaling this dust from a very young age And by the time they were known as full-timers in the mill, they were usually already suffering from irritation or chest problems. Similarly, they would also be affected by the heat and vapours from the boiling water through which the flax was passed. And their clothes would often be wet because the water would spray from the spindles. 
Doffers often suffered from mill fever, uh, usually within their first day at work. It could last up to eight days. They would have had nausea, vomiting, headache, fever. There was no treatment provided because it was generally accepted that that fever was normal to experience and that it would pass and you would be unlikely to experience it again. Were mill workers disproportionately affected by other diseases of the period, such as tuberculosis? Certainly mill workers, particularly in cities like Belfast and Derry, Londonderry, were affected by diseases such as tuberculosis. Through the 19th and into the 20th centuries, consumption or TB was associated with the Belfast linen mills, and it was not unlikely that an entire family could contract tuberculosis. This connection between mill workers and TB is also likely to have been because of overcrowding in housing, which I mentioned earlier, and also possibly malnutrition. There are repeats of concerns in medical reports regarding the diet of bread and tea that mill workers sustained themselves with as leading to them having a weak constitution. But of course, mill workers were low paid and so poverty certainly impacted on their health and likelihood to suffer from infectious diseases such as tuberculosis. Um, In 1908, the Belfast Health Commission reported on improved working conditions in mills. Can an improvement in the health of mill workers be seen at this time? This report suggests an improvement in working conditions, particularly in Hackling, where the Health Commission describes the installation of fans, which draw away significant amounts of flax dust, as well as seeing improvements to ventilation in the different rooms of the mills. Again, this report discusses the diet of the mill workers impacting their health as they are choosing to eat tea, bread and butter, which was was preferred. Even in mills such as York Street Spinning Company, who provided meals at cost price for the workers, perhaps with little consideration that even cost price was unaffordable. In 1910, in the weekly Irish Times, infant mortality rates are described as being very high, and this is attributed to the number of premature births amongst women working in the mills and factories, who often have to work up to the beginning of their confinement. This article also discusses the low wages paid to the mill workers, and there were campaigns for mill workers attempting to seek pay increases. For instance, On the 10th of May 1906, spinners of the York Street spinning mill demanded a 10% increase and when they received no response they went on strike. Other mill workers across Belfast joined them and almost 30 of the mills in Belfast were involved in this strike action. The dispute ended in July 1906 however with no increase and so we can see a continuance of poverty wages impacting the health of mill workers and their families. Um, In 1911, the Textile Workers Union was set up. Did this impact the working conditions within the Belfast mills? Working conditions had changed in the York Street mill in particular, perhaps not for the better. There was a fine system established, which forbade workers from singing, talking or laughing in work. And so in 1911, following a meeting with James Conley, the Textile Workers Union was established as part of the Transport Union. The workers went on strike and returned to work singing, laughing and talking, and some of those restrictions did disappear. And Winifred Carney, who was secretary of the women's section of the Irish Textile Workers Union and wrote with Connolly the 1913 manifesto to the linen slaves of Belfast, which said, many Belfast mills are slaughterhouses for the women and penitentiaries for the children. But while the world is deploring your conditions, they also unite in deploring your slavish and servile nature in submitting to them. 
they unite in wondering what material these Belfast women are made who refuse to unite together and fight to better their conditions. Sisters and fellow workers, talk this matter over. Do not be frightened by the timid counsels and fears of weaklings. Be brave, have confidence in yourselves, talk about success and you will achieve success. We really see limited improvements until World War II and the demand for linen improving and increasing, which offered another opportunity to campaign for changes to the working conditions within the mills. Sadie Patterson, a mill worker during the 1930s and 1940s, wrote about the working conditions, particularly focusing on the children or half-timers who worked in the mills, describing them as walking to work in their bare feet through snow and women lifting them to warm their feet in the hot water troughs in the spinning room. In 1940, Sadie and other mill workers at Yurts went on strike for seven weeks, but their demands again were not met. Linen went into a decline towards the mid and end of the 20th century, but there are stories from former mill workers of mills that operated up to the early 1990s, describing working conditions as being almost the same as what was described in the 19th and early 20th centuries, including spinning in their bare feet. Thank you for a really interesting um, and informative episode. Um, and thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Epidemic Belfast. For more information and to read articles related to today's episode, as well as other ones in the series, you can visit our website www.epidemic-belfast.com.